0: I think the one-liner that uh, I like using which is from of course Miracles*, says teach only love for that is what you are and this is what these children are, are demonstrating to, to me and other people and it's a very powerful message
1: and I have leukemia and I'm here to help others the doctor said that he's not sure when I wake up if I might I might be hurt
2: Jerry how do you My help a child who is suffering and in, in pain well What I do is not identify with the pain. Sometimes I meet people who seem to work so hard that their whole life is wrapped up in what they do. Dr. Gerald Jampolsky has struck me as such a person. After some very tough personal struggles in his own life, he decided to do what he could to help people, particularly children who have catastrophic illnesses. He started the Center for Attitudinal Healing in Tiburon, California where children and their families meet in groups to talk about all the feelings that accompany life-threatening sicknesses. The center reflects Dr. Jampolsky's own kind of psychiatry and his philosophy that a person who helps another is in many ways helping himself.
1: Hi, well. Hi, Eric. Yeah. Hi Eric. Hi, Hi. Okay, Sally. My name is Eric and I'm nine years old and I've got leukemia, and I came here for help. I'm Charlene Sivora from Napa, I'm nine years old. I have leukemia too, and I came here to help others and to receive help at the same time. I'm Mark Sosnick, and I live in San Francisco, and I, I had a malignant tumor in my kidney, and I came here to help others and to help myself. My name is Kenneth Estrada, <laughs> And I have leukemia, and I'm here to help others. The doctor said that he's not sure when I wake up if I might I might be hurt, and my body's going to be numb all over. And it just, I don't know if, I, if I'm going to feel any pain or not.
0: OK, so what Kenny's saying here, he's concerned about what's going to happen to him when he wakes up from the anesthesia. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: They zonk you out so much. I don't think you'll feel anything, really. I would, uh, Let's say I don't. I don't think you should dwell on it because I've had it before, and I didn't feel a darn thing. And with, and I've had the lumbar puncture, and I I think it knocks you out enough that it you shouldn't feel it.
0: Okay.
1: But it really scares me because. Um. When I was a little kid, I thought human beings, there was nothing like diseases like, you know, like leukemia and stuff. I just thought they would be well every day. Mm. But sooner or later, when I got older and older, I found out that there was things like the flu, and there's shots, and there's pills, and cancer and stuff.
0: You know, Kenny, it's always fascinating to me that when we're helping another person, When you're really helping another person at
2: that point in time that you're helping another person you don't feel fearful jerry how do you help a child who is suffering and in pain well what i do is not identify with the pain
0: i put my energies at seeing that child in light to identify with the love in that child the most powerful healing message I know in the world is the extension of love and I think the one-liner that uh, I like using which is from A Course in Miracles is teach only love for that is what you are and this is what these children are, are demonstrating to, to me and other people and it's a very powerful message.
2: Dr. Jampolsky has created a telephone network for sick children these children are calling Jimmy a member of their group who recently had a bone marrow transplant and is in the hospital.
1: Okay, Charlotte, you're on. Hello? Oh, Jimmy? Hi. This is the center, and I just wanted to tell you that I sent you a letter yesterday, and some other people want to talk to you. He doesn't know who you are. Who is this? Charlene. Oh. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, this is Mark. Remember me? No. I'm the one who hardly comes to the meetings. Oh, yeah. (laughs) How are you feeling? Fine. I didn't send you anything. Hi, Jimmy. Hi. Uh, It's... I've been... I've been missing you. Hmm? I've i' i missed you i miss you too um did you remember it for me Gina huh did you what did you get me not ma- 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 remember me yeah, i remember
0: you <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a little bit happy, huh? yeah okay we're gonna sign off now Jenny. love to you okay bye. well I, i'm not a doctor in the sense of, uh, as a therapist we're all co-workers i would think would be a more accurate way of putting it and uh, we have uh, people uh, who uh, come from uh, different disciplines and different kinds of experiences meeting there together on a typical wednesday night uh, for example at six o'clock at the center for adjunct healing you'll find around 15 or 20 youngsters ages 5 to 12 uh, who have various forms of catastrophic illness various forms of cancer leukemia muscle dystrophy cystic fibrosis and They're at a dinner meeting where they'll be uh, helping e- each other uh, And uh, learning from each other by helping each other a child will come in with no hair He has to go to school and he's scared to go there a child who's already been there And had that experience will begin to help this child a new child comes he's scared of dying He's not scared that what might happen to him. the other children begin uh, to help him in this way The same Wednesday night, two minutes away, is my office where there'll be a similar number of siblings, brothers and sisters, because they have similar problems of a different nature. Uh, Thank God it's not me, uh, guilt about that, uh, anger at my brother or sister getting so much attention. And they're helping each other.
1: I was going to say that my um, brother has been in the hospital three times once I have not seen him. It gets very boring without a brother at home. If that's true. It's very, very boring. What? Well, can you go to see him when
3: he goes into the hospital? Nope.
1: You
4: can't. Maybe some of the other kids here could. We could all talk about it. What sort of,
1: what sort of feelings
3: do you, do you feel at that
1: time? I used my teddy bear as my brother. And um, my room was was very quiet because in those days my brother used to talk in his sleep. And I was used to it and we used to tell jokes and the room was really dark and there was no lights down on the block and I just thought my brother was gonna die. I'd cried every night. I bet a lot of you cried at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can say that again. I was really jealous of the attention. Mm -hmm. He used to get all his candy and I never did. I think that my brother got a lot more attention so I was getting sort of mad. Ah. With me. Yeah. Me
4: what did you say to your mom? Did you say, hey, mom, you know, Eric's getting more
1: attention than I know. It. And then what'd she say? He said, that isn't really uh, true. Yeah.
2: Would you boys tell me what you'd like to be when you're older?
1: Well, I might be three things. I don't know. I'm one, an inventor, two, paleontologist, and three, an archaeologist.
2: You'd like to do all those things.
1: Oh, don't forget one more. What friend? <laughs> a doctor.
2: You'd like to be a doctor? What would you do as a doctor?
1: Um, I would, um, fix people. Not what I would do. Why not? Fix Give people. them shots. What's what oh. diseases, Brett? Like, what diseases? Leukemia, cancer, um, let's see here, cancer in bone? That's all cancer, Brett. That all qualifies as cancer. They don't? It all does. Oh, okay. Um, strokes, <coughs> A whole bunch of things.
2: You'd like to help a whole lot of people, wouldn't
1: Uh you? Uh-huh. I would help myself, even.
2: There must have been some times that were hard for you, Eric. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you have any trouble at school?
1: Yeah, some. I don't have it now.
2: What kinds of troubles?
1: Well, they would knock my hat off or tease me.
2: The kids? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe they're afraid that they might catch what I've got. So they really don't know how to react towards me. That isn't true. Your your thing is an, contagious. Nobody could catch that. But you know that. Yeah, I know. They don't.
2: Okay, what's been the most difficult for you as far as Eric's illness is concerned?
4: Well, it's been very difficult to accept. You know, I think we've been at this six and a half years, and at first there was a lot of, Eric and I talked about this last time, he had a lot of anger and a lot of, why me? And we talked a lot about that I had felt that same way. And there was an awful lot of anger on my part, why my child? And, um, I don't know if you ever totally accept that. I think it certainly has made me think a lot about our values in life. We've really learned a lot, I think, about sharing love. And I hope to keep sharing it. That's true, and also I think it's made me understand a lot more about when people when people have pain or sorrow or sadness, I have a real feeling for that now.
0: That's exactly it. I I remember the first time when we lived in Walnut Creek,
4: Mm
0: -hmm. neighbors just literally left the casseroles on the doorstep. Mm -hmm. And you know, you don't feel like cooking, you don't feel like cleaning house, you don't feel like doing anything. And... and, uh,
4: So I think that sort of thing really helps.
0: Well, it certainly, I think, at least for me, being a relatively narrow emotional band to start with, it's certainly stretched my band away from one from one side to the other, it having to deal with a situation like this and communicating one thing and another. Yeah, so it is rewarding. And that I mean, it's if you there is a reward in being in dealing with it
2: and and, and trying to uh, to cope. What were some hard questions that Eric had has asked you? Can you think of any?
4: I think mainly about the possibility of dying. Um,
2: when Eric talks with you about death, what do you say?
4: Well, uh, when he told me that he was afraid of it, I told him I was too, um, and. But that we all are going to face it, and that it's an experience for all of us. And that I don't think that we'll ever be alone, whether we're here or afterwards. I don't think we're ever going to be alone.
2: We'll all have caring people mm-hmm. with us wherever mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. And I think that that must be the, the, the toughest thing, is to think about not being together.
1: <laughs> I sometimes, if I've got fears and stuff, and it's really getting to me, I just try, talk. I talk to God and I just give it to God. I'll let him deal with the problem for a while. And if I do this, it I feel a little, I feel a lot better the next day. And basically, I find just talking to God and having a conversation like you're having a conversation with any ordinary person. And then afterwards, I wait about three minutes to see if I get any pictures that come to my mind, and possibly these pictures might be a way of God sending back, replying to my questions. I asked him one time, what was heaven like? And he gave me a response. I thought was a very peaceful place and it had a big, bright, shiny light in the middle of it.
0: That's a beautiful answer for all of us.
2: As a doctor, Jerry, do you consider death as an enemy? Not at all, not today.
0: Uh, I don't even consider death as, as real. Uh, I've developed a, a new, in a sense, way of looking at uh, reality. And as I more and more began to see that death was not finite, was not the end of the line that uh, we really join as, as oneself self, that we're really not separate uh, in, in our beings. Uh, the whole aspect of uh, really not feeling death as, as something that is finite and, and something that life I- is eternal allows me to feel uh, a peace and not a, a sense of loss uh, when I'm working with children uh, who happen to uh, let go of, of, of their body. About a week ago, a man called here in uh, uh, real concern in terms of depression and uh, Gloria talked to him and he seemed very suicidal and uh, asked me to, if I would call him right away and so I've been talking to him almost daily uh, his son died uh, I think a few months ago uh, he's made uh, a couple of very serious suicide attempts I've suggested that he seek psychiatric help which he refuses to do uh, that might be something that we can talk about too Hello, Don. Uh, this is Jerry. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, hi, hi, Don. Uh, I'm Paul uh, Shohan, and I'm a friend of Jerry's from about six or seven months ago when my daughter got uh, involved here at the center. Uh, my daughter died in. About three months ago, and uh, so I'm just sort of here to maybe. Okay, thank you.
3: Hi, my name's Cheryl. I'm Paul's wife. Um, It's good talking to you. I um, Paul mentioned that our daughter died a few months ago. Um, Also, we had a son that died a year before. These are our only two children. So must be when awful. Yeah, it has been, you know, and when Jerry called me this morning, you know, and told me about this telephone conversation, I could How
0: were you sustaining? What? How were you sustaining after
3: that? I have no idea. <laughs> it's uh, it's a daily You
0: know, I know I know I'm not the only person in this world who's never lost a child. And I recognize that, but now I find myself, because I can't get over the loss of my one that I'm really harming the other two. Hence if I had that kind of capability to do away with myself, in which which is very possible. you
3: understand that? Yeah, I
0: do. You, you know, Don, things change, you know. Uh, if my experiences have taught me anything, it's the value of uh, letting change uh, be part of your life, you know.
3: I was thinking how courageous it was of you just to be talking to us right now about what's happening with you. I really feel like, uh, like you
0: were crying, you know. I know that. Like, you know, you nurtured that child. You smell his diapers, and, uh,
1: There's no greater... I can't uh, really accept the
0: fact that uh, I had to go like he did. I don't see how people could just walk away from it. You know, Don, the thing is you don't walk away from it so much as you walk into it.
3: to you again sometime
0: sure. yeah okay i'm going to give them your number uh Thanks. don and they'll be calling through through our uh telephone net- network and uh, i'll give you their number too and uh i'll be in touch with you tomorrow and uh we just send our, our love to you uh don't i mean again i, I feel no matter what the problem is the solution's always love and somehow some way we're, we're going to find that out thank you okay god bless you Don,
3: thank you thank you so much thank you thank you, don. you, so thank you to all of you <laughs>
0: Okay. okay. bye now.
3: Bye-bye.
0: You, you can't take love, you know, and put it under a microscope and measure it. You can't take the will of live and put that under a microscope. And yet all scientists know that that is a reality. And we've been stuck for a long time by science limiting their definition, saying, well, what is real is it has to be measured. Uh, and I'm suggesting that uh, what is real is beyond measurement, because it is eternal. It has no beginning and no ending, and that's love. I bet you are also
1: telling me that the waves too.
3: And
1: a
0: horrible wind. Isn't it windy today, Judy? Yes. Judy has not been able to speak for a long time since I think it's at age three. She had polio and an encephalitis condition which has caused great difficulty in walking and talking, and yet she's going to college and and pre-law. But one of the things that are top of the list that's really causing a lot of problems today is fear, and particularly fear of doctors, right? And this young lady has had a lot of experience with doctors and medicines and with fear, and I have a feeling she can teach us some things today. Would you be willing to, to learn from her? beautiful how have you dealt with some of your fear what have, what have you learned about dealing with fear I
1: go in my room and I close my door and I, and I think oh wow I've really, really done some something that I that I couldn't have done before well like, like I couldn't I wasn't I c- couldn't walk, couldn't sit up, I c- couldn't do
0: any of those things. The doctors and, and many people had a big question mark about what Gina was going to be able to do in terms of walking and talking and uh, she's one of our stars because she comes in to our meetings. This was radiating love and uh, and uh, just has a, a tremendous joy about helping each other and, and telling people that nothing's impossible.
1: Mm-hmm. Anything is possible.
0: <laughs> if you destroy. mean you know, one of the things that uh, I find sometimes helpful finding out about a person is uh, if there was a magic wand and you could have any three things you wanted in the world right now, what three, what three things would you want? E
4: O T, L, E, all the people, T, O, B, E, S, I, C, K, W, E, L, L.
0: All oh, people who are sick to get well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. That is
3: tough.
2: Jerry Jampolsky told me that he sleeps about four hours each night. He says that's all he needs. Because of all the people he keeps in touch with. There really aren't enough hours in the day for him. He called me recently to ask if I would call a little girl on the telephone. He had met her on an airplane. He said, I'm not sure she'll be in this world very much longer. I know that a call from you would be such an encouragement to her. Well, I called her and ended up talking with her whole family. Obviously, Dr. Jampolsky had made a great difference in their lives. You know, when you're sick you often have doubts of being very lovable as jerry jampolski supports those who often feel unlovable he confirms his own identity he seems to reap what he believes that a person who helps another is in many ways helping himself Mm -hmm.